Screenless. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Cuppa, the podcast where I chat with people working in the many creative industries. I'm Gareth Davis, a composer for TV and a podcaster, obviously. Uh, before we get going today, I just want to say thank you so much for your support. It means an awful lot that you're getting something out of listening to this. So if you want to show your appreciation, you can do that in a number of ways. There's donating to the production budget. I don't have one basically so every penny is very welcome and if you can't spare anything at the moment that's totally fine uh, so if you could maybe share episodes with your social network or even tell someone recommend it it all really helps thank you so much so today i would like you to meet giles thornton who i've known from the composer community for a little while now giles is a ridiculously talented young person who is working on big things as an orchestrator uh, that's where you take a composer's music and lay it out in parts for an orchestra or another setup as well as being a composer himself Giles went through an incredibly tough time in 2020 after suffering a breakdown and he's been very open about what happened and his recovery. And I just wanted to mention that ahead of the chat because we talk about it and I don't want to surprise or trigger anyone who might be going through something. Incidentally, if you are having a tough time and need to talk or reach out, Giles has recommended some organisations that helped him. So I've uh, put links in the show notes that could help you. So please don't go through it alone. I'll go through those organisations after the chat segment. Okay, do you have a cuppa? Yes? Then here we go. Charles Thornton, composer, orchestrator, welcome to Creative Cuppa. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Uh, I am currently in my childhood bedroom, Giles. You look like you're on a yacht. It's like some kind of Stephen King novel in progress. I don't know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so uh, my family have a yacht and it's like a home from home for me. It, it's, it's just lovely here and um, I slept on the yacht over the weekend because I was helping out at the sailing club, which is just down the road, all weekend with the um, ah, national fabulous. championships for solo dinghies. So, yeah, uh, I decided to sleep on the boat over there. And then I was like, you know what? I want a mini kind of break. So I've decided to sleep on the boat for at least another three days, which would be nice. Brilliant. Quite right, too. I said uh, composer and orchestrator in the introduction there for simplicity. But in truth, you are a man of many talents, aren't you? Composer, arranger, copyist, transcriber, conductor. I think a few years ago that might have had a bit of a, a jack-of-all-trades label, whereas nowadays I think it's important to be seen as having several toolkits, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been uh, one to, to not do just one thing you know and there's a lot of like criticism where some people say to younger people like me you should just focus on one thing and one thing only and I'm just not that at all 
you know, I'd much rather do a bit of that, a bit of this, you know, conduct my big bands, you know, and then on the next breath, you know, orchestrate for a film. On the next breath, work on a team with Metallica or, you know, I much prefer yeah, that kind of yeah. lifestyle of, uh, okay, what head am I putting on today? And it is much more creatively satisfying, isn't it, that way? The, my first, very first guest on this podcast, Kate Clanchy, she said the different sides, different uh, skill sets nourish each other. I thought that was a really nice way of putting it uh, because they all feed into each other in the end, don't they? Yeah, definitely. As a creative and as a composer, I definitely take on my other skills to help my creativity. So... Sometimes, especially when I'm orchestrating for my big band, I will sit down on a piano, work something out, and then go, okay, how am I going to orchestrate it? And then, okay, how am I going to, you know, sometimes, you know, I write some bonkers old things for my big band, and uh, then I go, <laughs> okay, how am I going to conduct this? Is this going to be doable on in live performance? Because... If it's doable in live performance, it's doable in recording. And sometimes, sometimes uh, I see a lot of people who, who, who write things that are great if it's being recorded, but in concerts, it's not as, you know, powerful. Uh, but yeah, it definitely helps my yeah, creativity. Yeah. Some things just don't translate, do they? They're either very good in one scenario, but uh, not necessarily good in all scenarios. Yeah. But talking about your big band, Giles, yeah. you graduated in 2018, not so long ago from Guildhall School of Music and Drama, where you studied uh, jazz composition and arranging. And then you set up a jazz orchestra straight out of uni. How do you even go about setting something like that up? I've always wanted to ask you that. A lot of stress. <laughs> uh, a, Winging a prayer. Yeah, a, a, a lot of stress. Essentially, the idea was, uh, it was a stupid idea, I should never have done it, was um, do an album, uh, record an album with my big band in the January of that uh, of my last year, then use that same material as my final recital at Guildhall, and then... The week after that would be my album launch for the the actual album, and we would use the same people. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to to put a band together during your last year at university. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. Um, I ended up having more or less two different bands for my final recital and then my final album launch. But thankfully, the people at my album launch were more or less the same as who recorded the album in the first place. So, uh. yeah, that was my kind of plan. But um, I should never have done it during, you know, Guildhall. It was just total chaos. I got to the end of the year and I was like, I want to just stare into space and not see anyone for like six months. But then, you know, it obviously gave you an important lesson. Nothing's ever wasted, is it, really? No, and it actually gave me a lot of experience in, uh, especially recording the record of looking back on it now, how not to do an album. 
kind of, you know, uh, in in certain oh. ways. Some things I did well, but then other things I would have done a lot better. But definitely, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, your last year at university, the best learning experience I could have ever had was recording an album with a big band on my last year you know it taught me so much about the kind of sonic world and also going oh that's a bit too dense that sounds like really dense you know on record or like that sounds really sparse and like little things about just the recording process that no one really told me about until I did it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Pro Tools sessions and so on. I mean, the the Pro, the, that's one thing I would have done very differently is um, set up a proper Pro Tools session because I didn't on that time on, in January of that year. And it just became an editing nightmare to kind of splice it all together because, <laughs> be, be, because we did, we did the whole band kind of separately. So we did like one day of rhythm, one day of saxes, and then one day of brass. And so there was a few times, especially editing, where I was like, oh, that, that lead trumpet or second trumpet is, you know, slightly hitting a note wrong. Can we change the take? Oh, but then, you know, the lower brass is really good on that. So it's kind of... As you well know, it's editing is a game of compromise. I also know that subsequently, you know, you go through these first experiences and subsequently, years later, you realise that you're not the only person winging it. Everyone's winging it, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's in the same boat, if you pardon the pun. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about that particular moment. Be In Today was the album, wasn't it? Yes, had a very successful launch at the Vortex Jazz Club yeah. on in 2017. So that seems to me to be a bit of a milestone for you. Was it a milestone? And how did it feel to be up there with this live album launch? Oh, it was amazing. It was everything I could have wanted. It was a kind of, I guess it was a milestone of where I was at that time of like, this is a celebration of my university years, of, you know, where I was in that time. And mentally, I was going through a lot during my university years. And being today, the actual title track was about enjoying life and enjoying being in the mo moment. And that's, you know, uh, the message I really wanted to carry across in that album. It's a great title, actually. A lovely sentiment. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought so as well. I was trying to find like a really hip or really cool name for it, and I was just, you know, talking <laughs> to my teacher at the time, Tom Richards, who subsequently played on the album launch. He played lead alto on the album launch, which was good fun to have him there. And I was saying, ah, I'm having a bit of trouble finding an album title. It was like, well, being today, uh, I was just like, well, yeah. okay, <laughs> done, bing. Yeah, my my musical style of composition has changed a lot since then, but it was a very, I think it was a very accurate depiction of where I was at that moment. So yeah, let's fast forward then to 
2020, the year of the pandemic, but you will remember 2020 as the year you had a breakdown. Yes. From which you have you seem to be rebuilding yourself and doing that very actually very publicly. What was 2020 like through your eyes and how's the recovery going? I'm actually at the moment I'm okay. You know, I have my days or weeks where it's uh it's not as good as I would like, but it's nowhere near where I was. So fast forward back to 2020, January, February of that that year, I was burning myself out and I didn't know I was doing it. Well, I guess your, your final year at uni was probably a little pointer marker there, wasn't there? Yeah. And funny enough, I, I had a sit down with a neurologist about six months before in October, just because I, I had something happening at the back of my eye. And so they had to have a like a full look and then uh, ophthalmologist was there and uh, then a neurologist and he actually sat me down and was like, how tired are you? And I was like, yeah, very tired. And he's, he's like, you should have a holiday very soon. And obviously I tried to have a holiday, but then work came in on that October. But yeah, in January and February, you know, as the outbreak of coronavirus started coming out, we thought it was going to be like, you know, the flu at that stage, uh, you know, it was that it's, oh, it's going to be a passing thing, you know, this thing. Mm. And I I had a gig with the BBC Concert Orchestra and Lulu on the double bill with Level 42 in the London Palladium in March, mid-March. And we started on it and we got to the first rehearsal in Made of Ale and producer was adamant still going ahead and you know we were starting to all panic a bit because it's uh it was starting to really take off in this country so we did the rehearsals it was all fine everything's dandy it's all good we get to the london palladium on the monday no sunday and we'd been work me and the musical director had been working flat out like you know a lot uh a lot mm-hmm. of hours done and we got to the first, uh, london palladium gig started sound check lulu came out and said okay we're not gonna have an audience but i'm happy to go ahead reason being that someone in the orchestra's daughter came down with a cough and uh-huh. he didn't come in on that day obviously because you know he didn't think it was wise and lulu got a word of it throughout you know you know how it is with orchestras one person hears it everyone hears it and she said to the producer i'm not doing this you know it's too big of a risk for me fair enough absolutely fair enough the producer said well let's do it but let's not have an audience and let's record it because it was going to get broadcast on bbc radio 2 anyway so here we go and they put out a statement online saying, sorry, guys, it's cancelled for the audience. And uh, the head of BBC Radio 2 or like one of the big heads of the the BBC got word of it, came down to the London Palladium and essentially cancelled it mid sound check. So we were all told to go home, which was 
a shock, huge shock. Like, we were all just shell-shocked, like, in the pub, just holding a drink, like, what has just happened? Then I caught COVID five days later, to the extent that I nearly went to hospital. And what I didn't understand at the time was my anxiety was getting out of control, like, totally out of control. I thought, even though when I was recovering back at home, when I was allowed to get home, I still thought I was going to die. Like, I I thought I would have complications and I'd have heart failure or liver failure or kidney failure and I was going to die. Because everything in social media, everything on the news was saying, you're going to die. You know, I was, what, 30 kg heavier back then and uh, I just thought I was going to die. And even when I was like out walking or something, at one stage I actually forced my parents to take my pulse because I thought it was like going way too high and I thought like something was going to happen. And it was very a very, very strange time and it just all came to a head. And it was honestly the most terrifying three months of my life. Uh, And it took me, I'd say, two months to get stable again. I'm on antidepressants and therapy and all that. And therapy has helped so much. Like, um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just funny how the brain works. And, you know, build up these stresses with, you know, anxieties. And also you put COVID on top of that and fatigue and burnout and you just explode and uh you know i've always had self-confidence issues and self-worth problems and all that kind of stuff and um thankfully i am on my way to dealing with a few of those problems you know, I'm a lot better than I was six, seven, eight months ago. You're very open on social media about it. And uh, it almost seems like you're trying to future-proof your mental health. So, you know, rebuilding yourself in a, in a way, if perish a thought, something happens again, then you're prepared, you, you know, yeah. with the, the sharing of your information and knowledge and conversations mm. and being open about it. Uh, it just seems like you are going about it in completely the right way, which is great. Yeah. Also, the reason I share a lot on social media is most of it isn't for me. I, you know, I find it still quite jarring, quite terrifying to kind of share things. Although I I think I'm pretty open. It's for those who can relate and those... If someone can get help, see something and get help sooner, then I've done my job because I don't want anyone I know to go through what I went through. And I think in 2021, the stigma of talking about mental health is blown well and truly wide open, isn't it? Um, You were on the mental health network for the Ivers. How does that work? What do you have to do there? So we just uh, usually just discuss the problems that we face in our industry in terms of mental health, which there are many, you know, there is still a huge stigma around mental health 
in our industry. There are a few who are doing something about it, but there are a few things in our industry that have to be addressed, such as commissioning practices and uh, for film and TV, as you well know. Music is probably, more often than not, the last thing to be thought about. And there's this whole thing that producers really don't care about the deadline as long as it's there. And I've been in situations where I've been working on a project where my mental health is in an absolute state by the end. Because, you know, the stress and pressure of pulling something off like that is, you know, very intense. But then you throw in the factor that you have, what, two, three weeks to get it done, or if you're a composer, six weeks. It's a lot to handle. And also, you know, we've been chatting about, you know, how the Ivers Academy, which have been really good with campaigning for different things, can help in terms of people in their rosters, mental health, and giving, you know, talks and stuff such like personally i think they've been amazing during the pandemic doing those uh zoom meetups that they do but yeah if i can just help our industry in any way just get a little bit better when it comes to mental health i will be happy absolutely yeah and the ivers academy uh which incidentally for those who don't know basically an organisation who supports composers and songwriters through all sorts of ways, one of which is the uh, talking about mental health. Organisations like that are now huge supporters of being open about mental health in the industry. And like you say, going back even a year, two years, these conversations weren't happening. So it is great that you're being open about it because you're in the industry and you're shouting about it. Mm. and saying, this is okay to talk about. You know, you're not going to get into trouble or anything. Yeah. For people going into the industry especially, it can be really daunting, can't it? So, yeah, they, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Just moving on then, what do you have going on at the moment? How can people follow your progress online? So I am on Instagram and Facebook, all the socials, uh, Giles Thornton Music, also, my website as well, which I need to update, to be quite honest with you, but uh, com, And I am also on Spotify. I've got two albums out, one being Be In Today and then one called All At Sea, which was made mid-pandemic. I've also got a single out that we did all in isolation for the NHS, and uh, we actually raised £500 for the NHS for this single called Downtown for the NHS. We had 50 people recording their parts in isolation and we mixed it all together and created a monster. And <laughs> so that's all on my Spotify. I'm on Bandcamp with the same things. I'm, I'm on... And I think that's about it, really. Yeah, that was fantastic. You're very good at rallying people, aren't you? You seem to have this knack of getting people together to do stuff, which which is a good skill, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of coffee and a lot of pints. Fantastic. Well, Giles, I wish you all the very best for the rest of 2021 and going forwards. 
Um, it's fantastic catching up with you. But for now, thanks for joining me for a cuppa. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Giles for his time. I think there's a lesson there for anyone, not just creatives, about taking on too much. We have to remember sometimes that we're not superhuman and it's made harder when you absolutely love what you're doing and don't want to stop until it's perfect. So in the introduction, I said I'd go through some organisations that really helped Giles when he was going through his ordeal last year. The links for those are all in the show notes and all easily found online if you can't access the show notes. Mind provides advice and support to empower anyone experiencing a mental health problem. Calm, the campaign against living miserably, is leading a movement against suicide. Shout has a free confidential 24-7 text messaging service. And uh, Mental Health Mates is a network of peer support groups in person and online run by people who experience their own mental health issues. If you feel any of those organisations could help you, then take a small step today and get in touch. They're all doing amazing work. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can via creativecupper.uk or on the social networks using at ScreenlessPod. So come and say hello. This episode of Creative Cupper was produced by The Sound Boutique. So if you're thinking of starting your own podcast and need help with the editing or publishing or just need help getting started, head to thesoundboutique.com. Again, link is right underneath this episode in the show notes. That's all for now. So until next time, thanks for joining me for a cuppa. Thank you.